Disclosure, the information in this podcast is educational and general in nature and does not take into consideration the listener's personal circumstances. Therefore, any and all information presented in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized financial, legal, or tax advice. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making any decision. Hi, everyone. Ben Keedy again with the Wealth Crypto Podcast. And this time we have Jackie Roach. Jackie does a couple of things in crypto. She has her own sort of consulting business called Wellness Productions. And then she is also the chief communications officer for My Crypto Advisor, which is essentially a consultant that helps individuals and businesses adopt Web3 tools. So if you're curious about any of that, give the podcast a listen. And without much further ado, we will get into it. Thanks. And we're live. Hey, Jackie. Hello. Well, thanks for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Um, Maybe for the listeners out there, let's just kind of jump into a little bit about, you know, who you are, how you got interested in digital assets, and then we can just go from there. Sure. Uh, my name is Jackie Roach. I am the Chief Communications Officer for my crypto advisor. We are a Web3 consultancy that's focused on education, onboarding, and developing on-chain skills. So I will say to your audience, we are not financial advisors. What we actually do is teach people the tools of decentralized finance, decentralized applications, and really just focused on helping them build on-chain skills. And then additionally, I am on the faculty for the uh, Digital Assets Council of Financial Professionals, which was uh, founded by someone everyone in finance knows, Rick Edelman. He was yeah. on your show before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the certificate program is fantastic. I presented the uh, Understanding NFTs module. I typically focus on NFTs, but that's a great program. Okay. And uh, we actually, my crypto advisor, we're going to be doing a workshop at DACFP's Vision Conference, which is coming up next month, June 12th through the 14th in Austin. And we yep. are going to be helping people mint their own NFTs. Yeah, that, that'd be great. Um, I, uh, I've been asked by a couple of people in my network if I'm going to be going to that. And I said next year <laughs> my, my, oh, it's my so wife, good this year it's, yeah. it's going to be a great time the only reason i'm saying that is because my wife uh just gave birth to our first daughter a week ago so i've got other things to kind of handle that well. is more important new life yeah. is more important <laughs> yeah so next year i would love to attend but uh congratulations i leave it to awesome. you. thank you yeah. <laughs> we're excited um well i mean where do you where do you feel like you want to start like i'm Pretty interested in just the background of, you know, how you got interested in digital assets. Always I, the founding story for people I always find really interesting. So maybe walk me through a little bit about kind of when you first heard about it, how you got to where you are now and, you know, what you're focused on. Sure. Um, it's actually pretty interesting. I feel like most people get into this world through crypto, like through Bitcoin. But mm -hmm. I actually got in by learning about blockchain. Um, in 2016, I was... Uh, very well into my career at the local newspaper. Mm -hmm. And I had actually, uh, I started out as a graphic designer there. I was doing all different types of production. I was a plate maker. I worked on the presses. Uh, eventually I, I moved up and I became uh, our inventory and procurement manager for our newsprint, which uh, here I'm in Buffalo. So that's actually an internationally traded product from Canada. Okay. 
Yeah. So um, they sponsored me to get my MBA, which was amazing. And when I was getting that, I was like, well, I guess I'll go into this global supply chain management degree, which was new back then. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, again, back in 2016. And so that was where I learned a blockchain. I learned of this new uh, fourth industrial revolution that was going to sure, change yeah. the internet and new ERP systems and all that fun stuff. Um, but I actually didn't pick up crypto until 2019. And okay. that was through the founder at my crypto advisor, Alex. Uh, we had been friends for a long time. I had been watching him, you know, sort of orange pill our friends yeah. for yeah. a while. And I, you know, was like, it was funny. I, d- I didn't have a lot of trust in any financial system. So I kind of thought crypto was going to just be yeah. another fad. Sure. Um, but I did get in, you know, early back that in 2019. I mean, I think Ethereum I got in, it was like $300 or something yeah. silly. Yeah. Um, Bitcoin, I think was 6,000 at one point when I got yeah. in. So um, yeah, got in early and realized it, um, you know, was paying the bills and doing yeah. other things. I was like, okay, I guess, I guess crypto's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. It's interesting that you came to it. I mean, away from the CNBC, YouTube, you know. Bitcoin get rich crowd, right? Um, like, what was it about blockchain, I guess, that interested you way back when you were getting your MBA? Like, why why did that resonate rather than, I guess, like the standard get rich quick? <laughs> um, I think for anybody that works in inventory management or any type of supply chain, every day is just such a headache. <laughs> like when things okay. go missing or paperwork yeah. isn't signed right or customs papers, or there's just a million things that can go wrong. Sure. And, you know, we had a lot of uh, tech systems, networking systems that didn't talk to each other or this newspaper, you know, was owned by a different conglomerate. So okay. it was hard to just access information, honestly. Okay. Um, yeah. Lots of like gatekeeping, just like in any other information sure, structure. Very siloed type approach. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, when I started at the newspaper, too, we were kind of like a lot of industrial um, places. We had our own server room. Everything was centrally located, like in our building. We weren't on the cloud yet, you know, because security was a top concern for like, especially a newspaper. Um, But yeah, when I saw blockchain, I was like, oh, man. This would, would this would be great if a you know a seven hundred dollar roll of paper was missing. I would be able to access that information so much quicker mm-hmm. and more easily. And I mean, I think that's really what's rocking supply chain now. You know, um, when you look at you know Walmart or these big food suppliers, that you can do a recall on on you know affected beef or produce mm-hmm. or perishables or something, and you can actually get those out of the system much quicker. Than you can now. I mean, but you're eliminating it by days, and that's it, okay. and so much less overhead doing that. Um, that's that's really the strength of blockchain to me. It's just it's the power of like information technology. Yeah. I, so I've heard like the uh, and this will I guess get in the weeds for everyone. So if they don't want to listen to supply chain management, maybe tune out. But um, <laughs> it's usually what happens yeah. when people talk to me. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm I'm curious about it just because like you know I've heard the use case like it will impact, you know, global supply chain in a number of ways. But I guess, how would you say that it's different compared to like, uh, maybe whatever sort of identifying metrics they have now, like SKUs, maybe, I don't know if that's the right term, but how does blockchain differ from what's available currently? I think, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go go ahead. Um, I think the real, honestly, for me, because I focus on NFTs, it's marrying the data to a token that can like, 
travel and all that information is going to be in one spot. Um, and then also just being open source, transparent, that anyone can log in and like follow these things. Uh, sure. Some of the stuff we do at My Crypto Advisor, you know, a lot of people think, I don't, I don't want to say they think blockchain's easy, but, you know, tell someone to go on Etherscan and really follow a token <laughs> or really, you know, yeah. and their their eyes are going to glaze over. And and I'm not saying it's not easy, but once you do it a few times, it becomes, sure. you know, second nature. And so I yeah. think just like in a supply chain case, the fact that you can get back to that source data pretty quickly is okay. is like really the power in it. Okay. So does that kind of naturally lead to like a sort of permissioned sort of blockchain environment where like, I know one area I'm kind of tracking is just the enterprise resource software for blockchain. I think that's, it's going to get married into all this stuff. Um, and obviously having permission around those blockchains is important for certain types of businesses. So I would assume that, you know, if you're, you know, an auditor or regulator or whatever, or, you know, a trade partner, like having, I guess, some kind of token and some specific access to, you know, where this part came from, wherever this widget is, that's kind of where you're going with that, right? Sure. And I, I think so permissioned and permissionless blockchains is definitely a hot topic. Yeah. Um, but I think like, you know, like any technology, it de depends on the use case. And I don't I'm going to get like tar and feathered for saying this, <laughs> I feel like. But I do see from an from an industrial standpoint, um, especially when you're tracking your own products and things like that, I can see why you would want a permissioned blockchain. Sure. And also it's a lot faster. I mean, when you're talking about supply chain, you're talking about millions of microtransactions yeah, happening. You know. you know, I mean, if you have small little widgets and parts, it's not always going to be an entire cow or a sure. cow yeah. or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, so just speed and efficiency wise, it, it's better to go with something. Um, yeah. Gotcha. And is this the type of stuff that you guys are consulting on um, at my crypto advisor? Like what types of businesses are you working with in regards so, to? No, this would not be, um, while this is an interest for, for me and I, I could talk all day with, you know, get on Zooms and ideate about these philosophical sure. uh, things all day. My crypto advisor is really filling a niche of people that want to get involved and don't have time to be on like clubhouse or crypto Twitter or YouTube <laughs> yeah. all day. Yeah. So, you know, all we have a lot of yeah. people that, you know, they, they want to play around in this area. They want to do this stuff, but, and we've been doing this since 2018. Um, you know, we're yeah. trusted in this industry. So, um, you know, finding some, we get a lot of people that have been scammed and, you know, they sure. call us and, I would say like a year ago, I used to kind of say we're like the roadside assistance of crypto. Like you call oh, us. <laughs> yeah. Like I need to diagnose like what happened here. And then we can usually, we have a lot of like referrals that we work with. If we can't handle okay. something personally, we can kind of get you where you need to go. But our focus is mainly on helping people self-custody, set up okay. uh, cold storage, um, swap tokens, uh, do anything in DeFi that they're legally able to do. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Um, so is it, it sounds like it's more focused on working with individuals who are interested in the space or is it businesses too? Individuals. And then we do work with project teams where, you know, it's so fun in this world. People hear about Web3, they start going down a rabbit hole and then everybody yeah. has the solution to the problem that's been nagging them for the last 20 years in their own industry. Yeah. So everybody wants to do a project and everybody wants to launch a token. Everybody wants to have an NFT project. Sure. Um, so a lot of times we'll just spend time with teams, you know, does everybody even know how to use your wallet? Does everybody, you know, know what yeah. an exchange is? Like really just going over the foundational mm -hmm. basic stuff. And 
I, I think it sounds boring and it sounds like you wouldn't need to do this, but what's really interesting is, um, you run into so much pride and ego when people no. are <laughs> no. right. But when people are seasoned professionals um, and they come into this, they want to, a lot of people want to think they can pick it up really quickly. And it, it really is kind of sure. like, a, you know, you have to put a different hat on. It, it's not yeah. the same old asset class. It's not the same old thing as, as what sure. was before. Um, what is that like, I guess, kind of working with, like the egos and the people trying to adopt <clears throat> a new technology, right? Like I put myself in the shoes of, I don't know, any financial services company and say, we want to go use, you know, the Ethereum blockchain for this. How actually do you go about doing that? Right. Like, right. There's a lot of steps there. Like, unless you've got a team already dedicated to it, like, do you find most of these businesses are like, do they need a hundred percent handholding or is there sort of a spectrum? Like how, how do they sort of engage with you guys? So I would say that most of them need 100% handholding yeah. at first. Um, and it's, it's not just even that generation. It's us too. I mean, it's millennials. Sure. It's, there's this expectation. I, I think what really happened is technology got so good at making everything quicker. We yeah. are so spoiled now where we just like think, think, you know, even when I was at the newspaper, like people thought we just hit print, you know, and it was like, there's <laughs> yeah. a million things that went into producing, you know, 400,000 papers a night or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's the same way with blockchain. And I think like we've gotten so good over the years now of just having like SOPs for like, let's do this chunk of things first and then this sure. chunk of things and then this chunk of things. And I mean, the good part about that is you'll get a team or a couple, you know, two or three people that maybe want to launch a project and even when they see that kind of roadmap, they're like, never mind. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna build a web three project. Um, yeah, yeah. or they'll go the other route of just saying, like, you know what, maybe I need to play around and just do some personal stuff first, which yeah. is honestly what I would suggest to people is, you know, kind of get yourself in, get used to the tools, and then really decide if you want to build the next technological infrastructure <laughs> for humanity. Yeah. Yeah. Being like I uh I use this example all the time. Like I am proficient right sort of moving around my wallets and stuff like that but like if i had if i just you know unfortunately weren't here like and my wife had to do all that stuff it would be quite difficult for her to just kind of pick up and understand okay what is a wallet what am i sending what's what's the public address where do i get it you know just those basics i think go a long way to really kind of help just understand what you're doing um yeah and well, and I mean, I think you bring up a good point here that especially when you're talking about self-custody, like it's you, there's no bank to call, there's no customer yeah. service representative. Um, and even, you know, this is a really something we advise people when they first come in, it's have a backup plan, you know, who sure. does have access to that seed phrase. And even if that's yeah. the only thing they know is your ad, you know, your login information in the seed phrase or just the seed phrase, at least they have that and they can contact someone to say, you know, yeah, this is floating around. Um, but you know, it's it's really unfortunate that I think too many, all of us, all of us in crypto have crypto hang around somewhere out there that we yeah. forgot about or transferred yeah. or yeah. Um, and I do think the tools as we keep going through this are obviously going to become more user friendly. Like we're, we're building sure. the infrastructure right now. Yeah. Um. So things are getting kind of like lost in the sauce, but 
soon enough. Well, I mean, even look at something like Coin Tracker. You know, you can put a bunch of wallet addresses in there and generate tax forms and things like that from it. So those aggregators are coming. That day is coming. But right now, it's um, it's a good, it's a good and necessary pain right now to learn exactly what financial responsibility looks like. <laughs> well, it's a uniquely um, Western sort of thing that we deal with. Like we, like we at least historically have been able to trust our banks, <laughs> maybe, maybe not today so much, but um, at least you knew that like when you sent money between Wells and B of A, it would be there, right? Like it was easy enough to just go to the bank and pull out some money and that's okay. So I, I personally think for Westerners, it's an interesting topic to kind of approach because when you look at the rest of the world, like maybe Argentina, for example, that's had hyperinflation every 10 years or so, it seems, um, you know, the quality of their financial assets just isn't there. So like those groups of people are way more used to like, I own this, like I've got to find a way to protect what's mine. Whereas we, I would argue, kind of take that for advantage here in most Western countries. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that that's kind of the beauty of crypto. And especially when I got in, um, you know, I wasn't raised with financial literacy. Like I went, yeah. I'm a product of public high school and, yeah. um, and even as an adult, you know, I was in production. So my, I just did a percentage of my 401k that the company matched. I didn't think about it. So I never learned how to invest or, and in crypto was so easy. I mean, it was just so easy to get into, uh, you know, starting with a Coinbase account and mm -hmm. throwing, you know, $20 or $50 on a couple things at first. Um, and then, you know, you start reading about the project. I, I do think Coinbase did a really good job. Like they always had a really nice like news in there. And I think they have like the quizzes where you could earn some tokens mm -hmm. if you took the quizzes. So, you know, there's learning opportunities everywhere. And I, I think, you know, just going back to that pride thing, like if you have a little humility, especially for Westerners, coming into this and just say like, okay, I don't know everything and I'm here to learn. You'll probably do a lot better off than, you know, thinking you've got it all figured out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an interesting time for sure. Like I, if, if you listen to a couple of podcasts, like the thing that really drew me to crypto back in the day was um, <clears throat> specifically Bitcoin and the hard currency aspect of it, just because I've, as an adult gotten similar, I guess, to you and sort of global supply chains, I've started following central banks in the history and, you know, where does our money come from type thing. And it, I, I just kind of feel like we're right at the edge of like this cataclysmic shift in how everything is done. Uh, and I guess maybe it's, you know, financially and then in supply chains and, you know, how journalism works, right? Like with chat GPT, like I kind of feel like we're right on the edge and it's just a really exciting kind of interesting thing just to kind of watch right now there was a strange moment um a few months ago the paper that i work used to work for um they said that they were going to lay off uh all their production workers and they were going to move their printing operations to another city mm -hmm. and they were going to do this so that they could retain their journalists so that they could keep the budget yeah. for the journalists and I think just being a little snarky and coming from production, I was like, well, why don't we, why don't you guys keep printing here and just use, you know, AI for your journalism? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think you're right. Like we can think of all these things differently. Um, but I also think that, and, and this is why I've really appreciated um, getting to know Rick Edelman and the brand and all of that. Like, I think yeah. there's a place for everything that's happened before. 
for sure. all the traditional rules and all of those things. Um, Rick's like a futurist, so he has a really yeah, good yeah. way of of you know contextualizing it, and maybe some things stay, but maybe some things go. But it's you know it's a conversation. I, I think sometimes in the crypto world, what I've seen, especially when if you were in early, um, you know this like anarchy chaos kind of feel like let's overthrow everything and i mean i can tell you just from being at the newspaper every month i heard that digital was going to take over the newspaper digital was going to take it we still print a newspaper to this day yeah people all over this country and the world still get printed newspapers and we've had the internet for how long yeah so it's not going to happen overnight and i think people get a little too um bombastic about that side of it like we still yeah. need you know rules and order yeah, and I, like that. I, I agree i kind of i mentioned this on a on a call earlier with someone i was talking to my father-in-law kind of about um you know blockchain and sort of what the tech sort of means and uh he got down the road into ai and that it's just going to change everything going forward forever no one's gonna have a job like blah 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 and I kind of take the more pro-human approach that it is a super disruptive tool, yes, but I do think that humans will find a way to work with it rather than be overwhelmed by it. I, I mean, I think we do have to be careful about how like we you know, code it and what we allow it to do. But um, my example is like, you know, when the printing press came out, you know, 500 years ago, whatever it was, 600 years ago, that was a revolutionary thing at the time. Like, Catholic Church didn't want people to read. <laughs> like you can't have people think for themselves. So um, you know, we got through that. Like I I tend to think more of on the optimistic side. I think humanity will find a way to get through AI too. It'll just be, you know, different. I would say that um yeah, and, and when you're talking about the printing press, what was that? It was a dissemination of information, it was a decentralization of information. But yeah. at the same time, the printing press if you owned the printing press, if you, yeah. you know, there was a time even in the newspaper, if you were in the printer's union, I mean, you had a great job, you were making big bucks. Yeah. So, and I think that's why I started to niche down on NFTs because I, I think we're going, you know, from the printing press to the minting press mm-hmm. and how okay. you, I, I love that. Right. <laughs> yeah. From print to mint is kind of my brand. Yeah. Um, and, and actually my, my art brand is called wellness and it's, uh, it's like dealing with this overwhelm of all this technology that's available to us and all of these things. And how do you actually apply that to your personal life? And, you know, you think of the printing press. Now there's all these books out there, especially now there's books on absolutely everything. There's a new author every day. You can self-publish books now. Is all of that information good? Is all of it quality? No. So to your point, yeah. human beings will still have to be the curators of the human experience. What I worry about more, um, and I do believe like good triumphs over evil, yeah. but um, I, I think it's the algorithms and the ability for AI to, uh, I don't know if I want to use the word like psyop, but yeah. really <laughs> manipulate people's decision-making skills. So yeah. I think that's where it's really important. Um, I've always been a huge proponent of like meditation and focus activities and just making sure your attention can still be, uh, you know, owned by you and and not over overwritten by something else. Uh, so I think as much as we're going through this technology and all these cool tools are around in a lot of ways, we do have to get back to like the human technology too. and, And how do we operate and what's actually good for us. And 
there's there's some big decisions to be made, not even just on the AI and software side, but on the hardware side of, of what we're actually installing in environments and what's existing all around us and how we're going to make all these machines go and how we're going to mine for all of the stuff that makes technology go. So it, it's a it's a deep and wide discussion for sure. <laughs> do you, do you kind of, what I'm kind of getting out of this is like the layer one is education, right? Do you kind of feel like people are educated enough on sort of technology and what it means and how people interact with the world? I think the, the last industrial revolution that we're coming out of was the focus was to create employees. It was to create workers it was to create, you know, institutionalized way of life where everyone kind of does what's expected. And yeah. um, I don't think it was like, I don't know that it was some like big nefarious scheme. Um, it's just a way to organize people and organize things. But now sure. as we're more opened up, you know, travel so easy now, we can cross borders really easily. Uh, I think we have to kind of get over our, our own little bubbles of life and how our town does something, how our country does something sure. and realize we're going to be interacting and, and bumping into new cultures and new things. And, you know, how do we, and I think that's why I focus so much on personal development because you, you have to be able to be flexible and, you know, not, not get crazy. People get crazy about this stuff. They get like. Very dogmatic for sure dogmatic and also just i mean i've seen a lot of people like this can it starts to consume their lives like fear of all of this stuff coming in and you know what's next and um maybe if we have a little more faith in humans we'll we'll be better off <laughs> well yeah ultimately like cats out of the bag now like we're like as even though elon wants a six-month pause like we're i haven't seen anyone pausing so um, yeah have so. you ever read the allegory of the cave Plato's? Uh, no, no, I haven't. So the whole idea of the allegory of the cave is, you know, there's all these prisoners are chained to a wall and they're watching these shadows on the cave wall and they're entertained by these. One of the prisoners gets out. He goes up on the land. He realizes there's people just casting these shadows. And he's like, yeah. oh, my gosh, there's people casting the shade. He runs back in the cave. He's like, everybody, we can get out of the cave. And they're all yeah. like. No, we we like it here, you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah. So then he's given pretty much two options, you know, become one of the shadow casters or mm -hmm. or run off into the wilderness by yourself because these people don't want you anymore. But yeah. you're probably not going to be welcome back in the cave unless you want to get chained back to the wall and watch the shadows. So I think we're kind of at this point. And you know, how long ago did Plato write that? So there's truly nothing new under the sun. It's like we're just in a unique window of opportunity right now to see where you want to participate out in that spectrum. Yeah. It, I think maybe the one difference is, is just how fast it is now. Like, you know, printing press was a big deal, but it admittedly, I mean, it, at their time, it probably felt incredibly fast. Right. Um, but yeah, the way we iterate now, like I, I think, I mean, I'm only 33, right? Like I, you know, 2016 feels not long ago, but also like a lifetime ago, I guess. Like, um, there's like pre pandemic and post pandemic. So, yeah. Now, and now I've got like pre baby and post baby. So, like, I've got all these markers. And, um, yeah, it's just remarkable to see, I guess, how fast everything kind of changes. Um, I so. think it goes as fast as your sphere of influence. I've, yeah. I mean, because honestly, like, you know, my crypto advisor, when we started out, we were doing seminars at like coffee shops, you know, back in sure. 
working. And it was interesting, the people that would come in, we would get a lot of like small business owners that were hearing about Bitcoin through like back channels and things like that. You know, these weren't like, but then we would also get super wealthy people that were hearing about it in their circles and, you know, they didn't want to get left behind and they weren't going to not know what this thing was. So it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, most people are not having these discussions about AI. And I mean, I brought up artificial intelligence at uh, somewhere like in my neighborhood the other day. And I mean, it's just so far away from most people that, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I I guess it's, it is happening fast, but, but to how many people, you know, I think that's a great point because I, my circle, when I, I, I've got friends who are interested in similar things and like we go down this road and then I talk to people who are outside of it and they're like, no, that's a fraud. Right. And it's like, no, of course it's not. Like, what are you talking about? Like, uh, first Republic is a fraud, not Bitcoin. <laughs> oh goodness. Yeah. That happened today. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I know for anyone who wants to know the date, uh, what is it? It's May 1st and we just had the second largest bank failure apparently in us history. So that's fun. JP Morgan uh, saved the day though. Uh, I'm sure, yeah. Well, I saw some article that um they're already projecting it adding like uh, revenue to the bottom line. Like it's not they're not, not even gonna have to like wade through any bad stuff, it looks like. It's just additional revenue for for Jamie. Well, you said before that you were, you know, learning about the whole like money system and everything. And I remember when, like when I first learned about like debt buying and I was just like, wait, it's okay to be in debt. Like, I didn't know yeah. I could just take tons of that. I didn't know this is how everybody did everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's, um, it's just like adjusting what we know about things. Well, it, only some people can leverage debt to max capacity. You cannot go take out a million credit cards. <laughs> There's a big no. difference there. <laughs> yeah. True, true, true. Yeah. Um, well, what are you guys working on like currently at My Crypto Advisor? Where are you guys focused on the business going forward? Obviously, crypto has been sort of iterating at a breakneck pace. We had some crazy blowups last year. Like, what? Are, what's your guys' take? Like, what are you interested? So in? we've really doubled down on workshops and like starting to do more group stuff. Um, we have a program that's called Zero to Crypto, which gets people like if you have never touched any of this stuff. You're going to learn what an exchange is, open up a wallet, get some crypto. And then our next step is setting you up on like a ledger or Trezor, whatever kind of higher wallet you want to have. And then um, really getting deep into like the security type stuff, Um, you know, not... not clicking on that link that you got that said <laughs> someone sent you seven Bitcoin, yeah, and, yeah. you know, um, learning how to connect and disconnect your wallet and revoke privileges and just make sure that you're being a good steward of your assets. Sure. Uh, so that's really our focus now. I I hope, you know, and certainly to anyone hearing this now, like this is the time to get in. Um, you know, we've got a few more months or maybe even a year. There's projections all over the place about when the next bull run is going to be. Um, but the, I mean, that's kind of the... The the hard part for me is we always get so many more clients during a bull run. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I wish you would have been here, you know, yeah. four months ago, five months yep. ago, and you would have made yeah. smarter decisions anyway. Um yeah, when the money uh, when the crypto's flying, you know, you're just like, What? Yeah. The Pepe coin just blew off right now. I don't know how much DGen stuff you do, but Oh my uh I have a friend who's got a DeFi hedge fund and he is very good at his job, but he is big into telegram and sort of dgen crypto too and he yeah he was into pepe early and blew off and did well and it's just like oh my gosh like this is literal crap token that you're just like 
Yeah. It's, it it's is, still out there, you know. It's gambling. It's yeah. gambling. Let's yeah. just call it what it is. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like it's like AMC and uh GameStop, right? Like it's interesting that like the internet enables basically just a pump and dump in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. it's like crowdfunding without messaging. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can blow up like major New York hedge funds and then, you know, Citadel says actually you can't sell and then you get blown up and that's the Yeah, yeah so, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's like some people can't leverage debt. Some people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hopefully, I mean, hopefully blockchain and crypto makes all that more um, fair and open. Like there's, I would love to see us voting on a blockchain sooner oh, yeah. than later. Like yeah. I'd love to see the Pentagon required or audited on a blockchain. Like obviously they're never going to do that. Um but there's just like so many of these things that I think a little daylight would, you know, clear out a lot of the shenanigans that's going on underneath. We had a project that uh, it was a nonprofit and they wanted to start tokenizing their volunteer uh, programs so that they could actually just start to like get better data on sure. reward people and that kind of stuff. And when we actually started to sit down and, you know, describe all the inputs that we were going to need and how we were going to start measuring and that kind of stuff. They were like, you know, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and that like I, I and I think just to your point, it's like people say they want this. You know, yeah. we would all love for this. But yeah. when you actually start getting down to the nuts and bolts, I mean people really do start to get really uncomfortable with um, you know, how much this really does track and trace. Yeah, um, I'm all for it. You know, I'm yeah. all open to it. But I guess I'm kind of also one of those people that's like, well, I don't do anything wrong. But yeah. <laughs> it's it is very, you know, it's there. Like if you're running an ERP software and conducting your business on Ethereum, all it's all there. You know, you can go. Yeah. Uh, and what I wonder is, as human beings, like, are we going to have more grace with each other? I mean, because that's the thing with blockchain is you you just can't hide much anymore. So, I mean, even like, I mean, we've all worked in businesses where quarterlies were done and it was like, I don't know where this 3,000 yeah. came from, you know, just stuff yeah, yeah. it in with this or tuck it yeah. in there or whatever. Yeah. And there's no room for that <laughs> when you're really on chain. So, yeah, um, humanity is going to have to figure that out um oh my gosh what was it there was some story somebody told me i might be wrong about this so don't quote me but i think it was about um the celsius blow up and where some of the money was locked up with some smart contracts um i could be totally wrong on this but i think it's celsius but they what the guy's point was it was cool that the money in the smart contracts was distributed exactly as the contract was written. Like you couldn't change it. Like even in bankruptcy yeah. court, like the contract was a contract. We agreed to it. This is how it goes. This is where it goes. And this is how it's accessed. Like you, you're not going to change this. Whereas like almost any other, you know, sort of uh, legacy contract is always open to amendment post-contract. Right. And that yeah. itself is just totally new. Um, so who, yeah, it's just, it's a paradigm shift, I feel like, across the board. Well, and I think what's cool about like what you're speaking to is we've had like a very linear focus of everything up until this point. Um, you know, I'm even seeing like, you know, the younger generations having this more concern for sustainability and, and regenerative processes and things like that. Um, we're actually starting to see more like cyclical thinking as opposed to just like, 
you know, start here, we end here. Like, I think we're making more room for people to have those discussions. I would hope. Sure. Um, this could be the wrong audience for that. I don't know. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I personally think just like, I mean, just podcasting, right? Like I didn't really ever anticipate creating my own little podcast and being able to network the way that I have, but there's so much ability to do this stuff and network. And if you've got, you know, an opinion that resonates in the network, like there's, you know, the, there's a lot out there. There's a lot that's positive. Um, you just got to be careful following, I guess, the majors, right? You know, Fox News, yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. But the independent space, I think, is fantastic across the board. So, ooh, I don't know if across the board. I mean, there's great people, and you've certainly had great guests on. Uh, but I do think it's, I was, um, I have a colleague in this space who was telling me they, they were talking about what, what was the craziest rug pull you ever got involved in? Okay. And so he was saying that it was a, a Rick roll. Like, uh, you know, like a Rick roll. So it went through like these founders, these, they were all anonymous and they wouldn't like reveal themselves. They kept telling everyone, you know, stake. And and then we're going to reveal ourselves. And they kept not, they went through three rolls yeah. Or, or three rounds of Rick rolling people. Like it would yeah. just be like a meme that they got Rick rolled again. And, and people kept putting money in and kept keeping it staked. And yeah. um, I mean, it's just, I think the, uh, and it was probably, the yeah, the, the undocks yeah. thing is still, um, still, it's still prominent. And, you know, if you're on the build side of things like that culture is still very uh, existent. So, yeah, it's, and, and, you know, this is where the SEC needs to come in. They need to figure it out and, like, give some clear rules of the road so that this stuff doesn't get pushed offshore. And then you just have, you know, anonymous founders asking for money and marketing the shit out of something to people and, you know, people getting in trouble. Um, and people just need to be smarter, too, I think. I mean, sure. it's one thing to know that you're going into something like, okay... Like I said, it's kind of like gambling. You, you, everybody's, oh, I don't know if everybody, but you know, people put that little money jar aside that your change goes into or whatever. And then a couple of times a year you go to the casino or whatever. Like that's, yeah. that's what like DGen and like deep DeFi plays are for. It's just like, sure. I have to fully expect the house is going to win. <laughs> I am yeah. never seeing this money again. Yeah. And if something cool happens, I hit a jackpot. Awesome. Right. But yeah. <laughs> otherwise I can't miss this when it goes wrong. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, that education piece, I always come back to, like, as a former advisor myself, like, I, I didn't know anything about money. My parents didn't teach me anything. Like, I got to college, like, what, I guess, spawned my curiosity was parents losing the house during uh, the GFC. Mm. And I was like, well, how do I just not do this? <laughs> like, to myself, I was like, let's be a finance major. And even then, I didn't know what I was getting into, where I would end up. but. I, you know, 10 years later, I have a decent sort of background in financial services and I can at least see or sense when something's kind of too good to be true. So like, you know, yielding 15 to 20% on DeFi products, <laughs> like where the fuck is that coming from? Like, and you know, that I had to earn that, but most people don't, right? Like most people have no idea what, what that means, just the yield itself. So, yep. um, so I think that education piece is just so critical. And like, there's, you know, it, unless you take it upon yourself to learn, like you're not really getting that anywhere. Um, yeah. Well, and I think like, just to go back to the gambling example, it's like, you know, 
people think like, how, how does someone lose it all in gambling? Like, how do you really go there? And, and, you know, you've got bills to pay and you're really hoping and thinking that this is going to be the thing that gets you out of trouble. And I, I do think there's a, a good number of people that get into crypto hoping, you know, this $500 I put on Doge is gonna, yeah. you know, moon when change, change my life. Yeah, yeah. Elon's going to make a tweet and it's going to pop off. And, you know, and, and that's just, uh, yeah, I've always been like a buy and hold person myself. You know, I, yeah. I put into a couple projects that I think are building interesting layers. I love the graph. I love Chainlink. Um, again, not financial advice at all. These yeah. are just, in Don't my worry. opinion, good, good projects to follow that are solving problems. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not financial advice. There's a disclosure at the beginning of this. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel I'm so like, I'm just so used to saying it yeah. like constantly. Yeah. But yeah. We're definitely not pump and dumping anything here. So. <laughs> um, Even in my own life, though, there's like projects I've gotten into and like I'll have a friend who just like heard me saying something about it. And, you know, they don't realize I've been in it for eight months at this point or something. Yeah. And they're like, Jackie, you suck. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did not tell you to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've followed along some other people's, some friends' investments, like just ape trading into something. And I was like, of, of course, it ended up how you thought it would, you know, down 90%. And I was like, oh, that was dumb. Like, yeah. <laughs> why did I do that? Um, so I think it's what's really interesting about like the culture right now. There's just so many people that follow YouTubers for like for tons of different things, not even just crypto, but I mean, yeah. for health advice for I mean, like in some of these people, like, why are they, you know, why do they have a platform? I don't know. Like they just got really popular and people follow them. But my rule of thumb in crypto is by the time you're hearing about it, it's it's already like old. So proceed with caution. Yeah, unless you're deep in some Discord developer group, like, and they're actually building it in real time. Um, yeah, by the time you've heard about it, you've missed the trade. Right? Yeah, I know. It's like, it's sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And that's uh, like the psychology of markets is just so funny. You touched on it earlier. Like, people, like you guys getting busy when, you know, markets are good, right? When in reality, like financial services, like markets are the only thing that when people go on sale, they run away from, right? Yeah. Like if it was the half yearly at Nordstrom Rat at Nordstrom and like you found some shoes that you've been wanting and they're 70% off, you're like, done. That's a deal. Yep. Whereas, you know, Bitcoin dives 70%, people are like, whoa, let's go buy, <laughs> let's go buy the dollar. <laughs> like, That's so funny too. I mean, and I think we're like, after you've been through a few bear cycles, you become that person that's like, I'm going to wait another day. It might go lower. It yeah. might go a little lower. I mean, yeah. like what did Bitcoin got, drop down to this in the last couple of months? Like, wasn't it down to like 17 or maybe even like lower? Yeah, I think that's where the last six months or so. Let me. See. And I was still like, maybe it'll go lower. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's you, you got to be careful, though, not to play the. Uh, the like uh, projection game. Uh, yeah, it's fun to kind of watch and just see what people throw out there, but you know you gotta be careful with that stuff. Let's see, we bottomed. It looks like at sixteen five. Yeah, yeah, four. yeah. I think when we hit sixteen, I picked like a little bit more up that day. Yeah, but but it's hard with Bitcoin now. I mean, it was a lot more fun back in the day when it was. You know, like I said, when I got in, it was like six grand, and yeah. I felt like I was actually, you know, could make a dent. And now I'm like, well. Might have to sell the house. Too. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, Meanwhile, Michael Saylor's over there buying up, you know, thousands at a time. I'm like, damn it, Michael, slow down. I I know. It's, I'm still just very curious about how this whole thing just kind of shakes out. Like, I, I do really feel like we're living through it right now, just in terms of, you know, everyone wants to think MMT is a real thing, modern monetary theory. I don't think you can just debt finance and print your way into oblivion and everyone lives and wins. Like, I just don't, I don't get that. Like, it just doesn't pass a sniff test to me. Um, I personally don't know if central banks have anywhere to go. I think they played their card and they're just going to keep printing until it breaks. And that's a scary thought, but I I mean, I think we're building real-time alternatives, too, which is what's so encouraging. Um, And I think there are, I generally think there are are more people, on average, aware and sort of interested in their finances than ever before. So hopefully we avoid something too crazy, but I, I just can't get away from the feeling that, like, we're literally living through it right now. Yeah. And I think to your point, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, blockchain enables peer-to-peer transacting. So whatever in with NFTs, whatever you want to say that value is, if you're transacting, you know, you could barter something that has absolutely nothing to do with money yeah. um, and transact some type of value. Uh, and and so I do wonder if, you know, as as we can continue to go down this route, um, you know, my my dream with blockchain was always to do like farm to fork solutions where you could have local farmers that were, you know, inventorying all their supply that they were putting in and you could feed local restaurants and houses and you could just have these little, you know, hub communities. And I mean, on a philosophical level, do they have to report that to someone? I mean, does that have to be on a balance sheet or is it only on balance sheets because, you know, Obviously, we have real things. Like we have to pay our electric bills and we have to. But sure. now you have so many people that are creating homesteads and, you know, communities and, and things like that. And, um, of course, these are all very, like, privileged things. Like, most For of sure. us live in yeah. a city or don't have yeah. that opportunity. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, what we're seeing, open source is definitely opening up a, a whole new world. I mean, even, like, Wi-Fi. I mean, pretty much every business you go to now has free public Wi-Fi. And it yeah. wasn't like that, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So um, we will have greater access to everything, but the price we pay for that access will be um, will be the, the frictiony part. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yes, indeed. Um, what a, I mean, what, like, uh, let me, let me flip the script a little bit. Like, do you have any maybe questions for me or thoughts or curiosities or? Yeah. So when did you when did you actually get into like crypto? What year was it? Yeah, that was 2000 summer 2017. Um, I heard about it before, um, but really kind of started tinkering with it and buying then. And, uh, you know, that was a great experience that fall winter. (laughs) And then then it nosedived from there. Um, But yeah, that was kind of the initial sort of foray into it. I had a couple of buddies, one who's a former VC guy at a Silicon Valley. So he was exposed to it and was doing a lot of work there. And that's kind of what started the whole thing. Um, but then part of one, at least for me, the Bitcoin story is what resonates really the most. Um, and there's a book called The Bitcoin Standard. I don't know if you've read it. It's, I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. 
It is yeah. a standard book out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, you know, central bank sort of Bitcoin is the solution books by a guy named Saifedean Amos. Amos. Um, and that book just like really just kind of like set the hook deep, at least as far as Bitcoin goes for me and why I personally look at so it. So you're, you're no longer an advisor? Or do you still uh, no. Um, well, I mean, I do a couple of things. Um, by day, I do wealth tech. So wealth tech sales. Um, and then I do a little insurance on the side, just basic life stuff. Um, everyone in my life is having a kid or married or whatever. So it's fairly easy to have that conversation. Um, but no, I'm not like an actual active, I guess, you know, fiduciary advisor right now. I was, um, from your view, do you see Bitcoin because there's people that spend Bitcoin like cash Yeah, and it was, does the Bitcoin white paper say electronic cash or is it just electronic? I don't think it does. I, I read it like a month or so ago again. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't thinking, think it, re- it doesn't reference it. Maybe peer to peer transaction. I think it's, I think it's P2P transaction. Okay. It's not meant, it's not meant to be like your Starbucks gift card type thing. Um, yeah. So that's, I, I, and I think that's kind of what, um, yeah, that's kind of like what's happening right now. I would, uh, well, I guess I would, I would, wonder your opinion on that like there's there's people in other countries that are really using bitcoin um you know because it is well easier than are they but do you see them using ethereum or like a different crypto i think i mean i i think bitcoin for sure i I think ethereum I, i mean technically they are all transactable right like you touched on it earlier like you define value you know so just send me you know, 20 doge or whatever. Right. Um, 20 doge. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, uh, I saw something somewhere talking to what we kind of covered earlier about how Westerners are kind of lucky in the stability of our currency because we don't like, we look at Bitcoin as volatile. Right. And like, you know, if you were to transact Bitcoin to USD, you're definitely taking a price and timing risk. You know, maybe you could have bought that car with a little less Bitcoin, right? Or, you know, maybe it's a bad week and you got to pay more. Um, But in countries where currency risk is very real and inflation is very real, Bitcoin is actually more stable and it's a greater, um, it's more sought after asset. So, like, we don't really see that, I think, in the US, which is why people kind of shy away from using it as a day-to-day sort of transaction. But I mean, inflation hit us hard the last couple of years. Like that's another thing that people don't fully understand. I think too, that at least people have had sort of the financial services education is, you know, inflation is volatility. It is a tax. Like you are paying a lot more than you were a couple of years ago. Um, do I think Bitcoin will be used to purchase Starbucks? 10 years from now, like the dollar is, I mean, I doubt it, but maybe who knows? Um, I don't, I don't personally think so, but um, I I have trouble too. I mean, and there's just so many other options coming out at this point that I don't think, I don't think that'll have to be like a needed conversation. Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that could be interesting is if the government just actually really tried to regulate the private stable coins and like create those as best they could. Cause if you could create, you know, have a couple of good issuers of solid stable coins, you could export the dollar 
globally everywhere. Right. Um, but you know, all that's contingent upon the government kind of reining in and being fiscally responsible itself. So who knows? But um, I don't know. I, I the technology is going to show us the way based on the situation. I think you know, and what we need as humans need to respond to. Um, and, you know, I've said it a few times, I think we're just living through it. So it's tough to kind of prognosticate, but. It's it kind of be- like people talking about like the electric car or um, driverless cars. And I've always said, like, we, we're not going to be able to have driverless cars until everybody wants a driverless car because you can't yeah. have like driverless cars and drivers on the road or else. Yeah. The driverless car is just going to sit at the stop sign all day because people are just going to keep yeah. blowing off <laughs> yeah. before the sensors let it yeah. go. Um, I'm going to drive my F-350 through the stop sign and we're going to wait. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, but it, it's kind of like the same thing here. I, I feel like in a lot of ways, uh, you know, Fiat was created to remove friction in transactions. It was so yeah. that we had a medium to be able to to trade and do things. So um, when when the technology, when digitally native tokens and money uh, autom- automate that, sir, automate that, you know, removing the friction, where does that leave a lot of people? And I actually, I, I had a, I have a podcast too. It's called My Cryptocast, and my crypto advisor puts it on. Um, and we had a really cool guy. His name was Asher Lozado, and he was running for mayor of, um, of LA. He was running for mayor of LA and he wanted to come out with a social token. And he was, he was like speaking to this whole, um, this whole ethos that, you know, homeless people already have their own like economies. Like they'll, they'll go, um, you know, set the chairs up for a restaurant or something and the restaurant will give them, you know, a breakfast meal or something like that. And he was like, you know, so what if we, what if they had a token? What if they had a social token? And really this day and age, almost, especially in the United States, but throughout the world, almost everybody has a mobile phone, like, or has access to a mobile phone. Um, So you really could start to have these like sub economies, I guess we'll call them. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if you really, I mean, just like you're saying, like, oh, the government would have to rein in and be fiscally responsible too. It would have to go hand in hand with transparent governance. So if we were voting, if, you know, all of our citizens were voting, um, on how we really see things going or want things to go, then the government would actually be like absolutely beholden to following through on, on things that they say and representing they're supposed people. To be our civic. Re- yeah, they're supposed to <laughs> yeah. represent us. So, so maybe, and maybe that is the shift. I mean, cause right now, I mean, even at the newspaper, um, you know, we, our main revenue was off of advertisers. It wasn't from, yeah. I mean, we got money from subscriptions, but we sure. got more money from advertisers. So yeah. who are we really going to be beholden to at the end of the day? Yeah. Well, advertising model might go away entirely maybe who knows right like if the creator economy gets good enough and it's i guess maybe permission to a degree um it'll be more on like an engagement model i think it'll be less advertisers selling you things and it'll be more them telling you stories and whether you're going to get interested in that narrative or not yeah it'll be more of a transaction rather than uh the one-way street that it kind of is right now yeah, which is good, which is actually really needed right now. So yeah, as long as they're not psyoping us through our devices. I mean, they probably are. Like, I, 
They I think we can remove probably, but I'm, um, I'm for we'll sure. We'll go back. So everybody, please meditate. Please yeah. have a mindfulness practice. Yeah. <laughs> Incorporate that into your life somehow. Yeah. Focus in on the things you control in your life. You know, your friends, your family, you know, your health. That's what makes yeah. you happy. Not, you know, fighting the government and the psyop. So exactly, exactly. <laughs> health is wealth. And that's, that's really the truth. So yeah. Yeah. Um, well, let's see, we're getting close to it. How do you want to, how do you want to wrap this up? Is there anything you want to kind of touch on? I can pass it back to you for the last couple of thoughts. Uh, no, I, I always like to tell people, you know, in 2017 data usurped oil as the most valuable commodity. So if we can really think in our lives, you know, oil gets refined into thousands of different products that plastic bottle that you're drinking water from uh, came from petroleum at some point. So think of applying that to data. You know, data is going to be refined thousands of ways. Blockchain is going to enable that, you know, fiber optics and 5G and how we move all this data. So there's no matter what industry you're in, blockchain is going to apply to you some way, somehow. And, uh, you know, you can get into it just from what the natural things you're already into, like it exists, there's a pathway for you. And uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah. That's Perfect. There you go. And if you have any questions about the best way to do that as an individual or business, you can reach out to Jackie at my crypto advisor and they'll be happy to help you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Ben. This was wonderful. Yeah. 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 Cool. Well, um, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, just let me know and would love to have you on again. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye.